Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we are taking a look into Isaiah 6. We're continuing the rollout of the new mission tag of the congregation, expanding Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. Uh, and this week, we started into the worship segment of the uh, of the mission tag. Uh, so we're in the, the third of, of three series here. Um, as a as kind of a, a mnemonic, last time with discipleship, we went with fatter, disciples are fatter, faithful, available, teachable, and reproducing. This time we're going with all E's. We got all E's <laughs> on this section. Uh, and so we're talking about exalting God. Worship is exalting God. So uh, we were in Isaiah 6. I said we were going to be in Exodus 20, and then I conveniently <laughs> left it out. Uh, so no, you didn't miss anything. Uh, and no, you didn't miss anything, <laughs> Pastor Dina. How, what, um, what things did you hear that I actually did say? <laughs> um, I think... You know, as you, as we think about worship and we think about exalting God, I think I was reminded again just how out of the ordinary for our lives that worship is and how and exalting. You had mentioned that our sanctuary here, which is is very modern in a lot of ways, very plain. Um, we don't have any stained glass. We don't have um, any really any adornments and. It's and a comfortable space, though. It is. In so many ways, it, it invites conversation. It mm -hmm. feels welcoming in a way that... It feels warm. Yeah, that cathedrals and such don't. But we also miss the other side of God. The, um, you know, we had, as we were talking earlier this week, when you walk into a cathedral... Um, and there are some, there are some right here in Pittsburgh. There are, of course, many in Europe. Uh, when you walk into one of those cathedrals, St. Chapelle, Notre Dame, whatever, it, it takes your breath away and you can't yeah. help but whisper because you're confronted with the majesty and glory and otherness of God mm. in a way that modern sanctuaries don't do. And And as we just said, there's a lot of good things that come out of that because those stone structures can can make feel make God feel unapproachable and yeah. so other that we can't connect um, but it's a reminder that no matter which direction we go God is bigger than than that you know whatever wherever mm. we we land God is also other as well and so as we think about that and and exalting God, um, you know, you'd said our our main work is to worship God. And as we think about who God is, I couldn't help think we, we so often miss that. And we make worship a chore. We make it something we do to check the box. We make it something that has to be so formal and so quiet. And we see it even in the way we teach our children to worship. Like, no, we're quiet in church. We mm. whisper in church. Yeah. We don't um, we don't run around in church. And again, not that those are all terrible things to as we teach our kids, but we miss the joy and the adoration and the breathtaking nature of God. 
as people who who lead worship, we can get caught up in the mechanics and oh, the logistics sure. of of worship. Okay, how are we going to transition from from this part to this part? How are we going to transition from from this to this and and smooth it out and make it cohesive and so mm-hmm. on and so forth? And so there really is a lot of intellectual intellectual fuel that goes into to preparing for it. And it was so funny. I felt bad for you because uh, you did something and then you sat down and said, oh, I really messed that up. I did. I got the order completely wrong. We had just discussed it and yet I messed it up. No. And, and that's the thing. Like we're constantly on that thought of like, okay, how do I prepare for the next thing? What's coming up? Do I need to be up here? You know, I thought at one point, oh, I'm going to do this prayer, but then I need to go back and get my my Bible and my binder, and that's going to be a little bit awkward. And so we, again, the, the, the mechanics. Yeah, which is different. It's different too when you're leading worship on your own. There are certain challenges mm-hmm. of that, like, you know, where am I going to put my <laughs> Bible and all the things so I can get them quickly without too much of a pause because people are watching me. And even five seconds seems like two and a half minutes when everyone's eyes are on you. And then also sharing worship, which provides flexibility in some ways means like, oh man, I messed this up and now someone else has to flex to to cover for me too. Um, and some, I I think you and I do that well for one another in, the, in my recent history. I've been fortunate to have that experience where, where we're flexible enough to say, that's okay, we'll just pray here instead of there and all will go well. But that has not always been my experience. Yeah. And that's that just makes you get more in your head and more worried about the the mechanics and when do I have to start walking to get to the yes. microphone? And, I, you know, I've always said for me, the the preparation for worship feels more worshipful than leading yes. worship. Absolutely. I would totally agree with you because it's in that those moments that I like sermon prep mm-hmm. is is much more worshipful because I feel like I can actually sit down with the text and I'm like oh my job is to just be here with God and to know what is it that what is it that you want for me Lord mm-hmm. and 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 what did you do and 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 it's so wonderful to be able to look at at that um, so I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And, and much of my preparation for worship, because I don't preach as often as you is, is the prayer part. And it, it definitely feels more like prayer when I'm writing it, which is, I think, partly why I tend to write my prayers out um, than when I'm, when I'm speaking them into, you know, into the congregation and, and prayer. And I, I mean, thank goodness we have a God who's big enough that all of that can be prayer and yeah. and isn't saying like, oh, because you didn't start with dear Heavenly Father and end with a- amen, I'm not listening, you know, yeah. that that even my preparation can be a an attitude of worship, an attitude of prayer, so that that frees me up to lead others so that they can, they can experience that worship too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not like God is like, oh, I'm sorry, were you talking to me? Mm-hmm. I, just I wasn't t- listening, yeah, sorry. I, I, yeah, I was over. Yeah, you didn't call my name, so. Yeah, exactly. 
um, <laughs> much like our kids can actually yeah. do to us. Yeah. Um, I didn't know you were talking to me. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, but, and it's funny because we have that experience with other people. That's yeah. part of that otherness of God is that he is, he is both far greater than we can possibly imagine. So the text talks about the, the NIV translates it as that the, the train of his robe filled mm-hmm. the temple. But one of the things I brought out is the fact that it's the hem and actually just the corner of the hem. Um, if you look into the, into the, the scholarly research, like that's what it's referring to. And like that little corner is what's filling that space. Yeah. And so the immensity of God is huge, far huger, huge, more, more huge. huge. Sure. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> it's big. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like it's larger than we could possibly imagine, but as well, God's closeness, God is closer than we could possibly imagine and, and listening far more than we probably want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you brought that out when you talked about the verse, which is what is one of my favorites. And I keep going back to, you know, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks yeah. out of, you know, our, our lives show what is important to us, our words are, and I would explain expand that to our actions and the way we spend our time and so weighing that with this idea that our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy God forever you know does my life show that and if I'm being honest sometimes more than others yeah and sometimes I I have a better sense of the glory of God than in others so so one of the things that I absolutely dropped the ball on was including Exodus 20, because it really does have a lot to say about this. Um, so Exodus 20, if you don't know, is is the Ten Commandments. And so it starts out that, you know, I'm the Lord your God I, who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. And so we go, okay, all right, I, I understand the fact that God, you're claiming that I did this, therefore we're yours and you are you are ours. Um, but the next one is you shouldn't make an image. And, and Every culture in that day, both when Exodus was written and when Isaiah was writing his vision, had images of their gods, whether Mm -hmm. carved things or whether it was like uh, what Aaron made out in the desert, the the um, the golden golden bulls. Yeah, yeah, uh, the golden calves. Um, uh, There were representations of the gods and and they were expected to like tend to those and bring them food Mm -hmm. and bring them water. But what God seems to be saying here and what Isaiah then shows is that God is so other than what we can imagine that don't attempt to even create an image. So don't even attempt to create an image because it's going to be so wholly inadequate, mm-hmm. W-H-O-L-L-Y, yeah. because his holiness, H-O-L-I-N-E-S-S, is beyond what we can even even come around to yeah and I think there are moments when we get glimpses of that when our hearts are stirred you know the moments that take our breath away and you had talked about at at some point in the sermon you had talked about joy and and the way our hearts overflowed and so I think when I think about the glory of God when I think about the the joy of worshiping for all eternity I think about I think about those moments that have taken my breath away, whether it's the beauty of nature, a sunset or the ocean, or you know, I've had the opportunity to do some scuba diving to see the, mm. the beauty that we don't see every day. 
Um, you know, I think about those moments with other people of faith where you, you laugh so hard that you cry and you can, that deep connection. And I can't help but think those are glimpses of mm-hmm. what, what eternity will be like, that, that it will take our breath away, that we will be filled with so much joy that we can't help but overflow. You know, and then you think about the way we worship today and and it, it's hard to sometimes it's hard to reckon those two yes um and I, honestly that's probably why the culture has kind of called us out mm-hmm. rightly so in some ways um because if if we claim that our lives are about god and 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 the the chief work is drudgery mm-hmm. th- then then that says that our God is drudgery. Yeah. Yeah, and we do. I mean, we, we, we talked about it as leader, leaders. I mean, sometimes I will admit I enter into the worship service thinking, like, I just have to get through this next hour. <laughs> I just have to, do, you know, I, I've done the preparation. I've done the writing. I just have to endure for this next hour to get on to what is coming next, good or bad. Um, not always for sure, but in that, you know, that speaks to my heart and, and what am I really worshiping? Am I really enjoying God? Do I have everything in the right perspective? No, not always. But I think, I think you're bringing up a, an excellent point in the fact that, that worship of God is work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it requires effort. It requires to, to serve as priest before God requires something of our being that is yeah total. Yeah. Um, and so that's difficult. And so, and it's not just the, you know, as Peter says, the, the priesthood of all believers, um, you know, there is a, a burden that falls on every person. Um, and do we engage in that gladly? Um, still even recognizing that, I mean, so I mentioned the worship services at, um, at music camp, uh, mm-hmm. camp Lambeck and they are a joy, but man, there are some of them that even no matter how good they are, you walk out and you go, yeah, wow, that was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, as I was thinking about the times when worship in my life has been life giving and has not, um, has not felt like a drain because it certainly doesn't always feel that way, even in the leading. I mean, there are moments where you catch a glimpse of this is what it means to glorify God. This is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ worshiping together. But you're right that there's still something heavy for that in that. I mean, I think, I think there's a reason that most pastors go home on Sunday and take a nap because Mm, it's, it's heavy work. It's hard work. And, and, but it's, but it's so good. And, you know, I think that's what, I think that, what that's what God wants for our worship to, to exhaust us in the best possible way for us to encounter God in ways that takes our breath away. And then, you know, and then like Moses coming down from the mountain, like we can't stay there. We, you can't stay in that moment. Now it's up to you to, to go out and let that experience of worship draw other people into the holiness of God that through our lives, through our, through the other things we've been talking about, through discipleship, through relationship, 
you know, worship informs those things so that others can, can have that experience of the goodness of God and the, the power of God and the holiness of God. Yeah. So a, a couple of connections in there um, is one, I think that that gives us insight because you, you said it exhausts us. It's a, it's a, it's a burden far too great. And so I think we can see as another angle on why Isaiah says, woe to me for I'm mm-hmm. ruined. Like the, the understanding of this glory is just far too much for any human to endure. Yeah. Um, but then as well, we see the seraphim up flying and they are calling to one another and, and, and that's the, the point. They're calling to one another. They're not calling to God, holy, holy, holy. But they, mm-hmm. are, they are exalting God while, while giving that message to each other that, that God is, God's holiness is beyond anything that they can imagine. So the Hebrew background there is, you know, we, we use um, superlatives like hugest, as, as, we tr- <laughs> as we attempted, or most huge. Yeah. And, and in the Hebrew, they would have, would have repeated. You repeat things for emphasis, emphasis. And so the seraphim are saying, you know, God is not holy. He's not holier. He is holiest. Mm-hmm. He is holy, holy, holy. Uh, and they're, they're proclaiming this to each other and just calling it back and forth. Um, and, and it's, and so it's this amazing moment of, of they have to keep saying, no, this is, this is the holiest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think of, of experiences where, you know, where you just have People say, can you believe this? Can you believe this? Like, look at, look how beautiful it is. Look how, how whatever, look how, how great this is. And we, we constantly have to keep calling each other back, which is, is, and I, and we'll get into it next week too, but why it's important, why we don't just worship solo, that why, why we worship in the community of God together, because there's an element that we, we can't capture on our own. And I, you know, I personally think individual worship is important too. I mean, that's what Spotify was made for, you know, to, <laughs> to, or, or, uh, you know, I think that's one of the gifts that the last few years have given us in that there are so many worship services online and, and Ted talks and, and podcasts and, and things that help us to worship individually, but we can't swap them out for the community of God and, and, and not just a group of people, but people with whom you engage in relationship, people with whom you engage in discipleship, that, that all of these things work together and on their own, each one is certainly useful, but it's not complete. Yeah. There, there are a couple moments here where it seems like we're struggling for words. And I think that's, that's actually part of the holiness of God is Mm -hmm. that it's the, the, that language breaks down. Yeah. Like we don't actually have the words and it just fails. Um, so I'm impressed that Isaiah was able to really say anything yeah. in that moment. Um, although, you know, he is aware of his own his own sinfulness. Mm-hmm. But the holiness of God does leave us, like our, our intellects fails us, our language fails us, our emotions fail us. All of those things are, they're minuscule compared to the grandeur of God. Mm-hmm. I know you had started the the sermon by talking about how we are elevated in the presence of others and um 
I think I think that's all part of this that that when we're together in the community we can help supply the words for one another the mm. or or even when words fail us the experience to to truly worship with someone else and and to have that connection knowing that words fail it i i see that a lot with with mission trips and youth retreats and and time the the mission conference times when you're you're apart and away and you come back and people say how was your trip how was your time and words can't even begin to describe all that god did in your heart and your mind and your soul but the connection with with someone else who who knows that who was there in it with you is is powerful as as we think about the body of Christ, as we think about worship together, as we think about our common experience of of God, especially in those places where the divine breaks in in extraordinary ways. It, our our tradition, of course, is the Reformed tradition, and you know there are a lot of great things that that have come through the Reformed tradition, through Calvin and Beza and and Knox and and mm-hmm. all the rest of them. Um, but our, our big mantra as reformed people is decent and in order. Yeah. And one of the things that we see, and this is one of the, I think this is one of the areas where our our tradition actually does us a disservice is when we look at the worship of God and it, and as we look at it here in Isaiah, as we look at it, um, as, as we look at it in other parts of the Bible, as we look at it in revelation, it's, I don't want to say it's not decent and in order, but it is beyond, Mm -hmm. Like it's not good, nice, neat people. It is the holiness of God being proclaimed in its in in what we can. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I know I've I, I think especially during COVID, where so many of our practices were called into question, and we had to figure out new ways to do everything. I, and I do believe our worship services are glor- glorifying to God, mm-hmm. yeah. and yet also, you know, when when. God commanded us to worship did was the idea really that we all quietly come into one room, sit single file, all facing the same direction for one hour, grab a hymnal, you know, and then, and then process out that, um, you know, certainly that's orderly. Certainly that's respectful. Um, and it does, it does capture elements of, of the way we present ourselves to God that, you know, God is holy and other, and, and we need to remember our place. Yeah. But does it capture that joy and that um, abundance and and the holiness of God that that is beyond what what we can give words to? Worthy of all worship, mm-hmm. worthy of worthy of every aspect of our being. One quote that actually hit the cutting room floor here, and I didn't even mention this to you. Uh, I have it written in my notes up here from um, Dick Halverson. Dick Halverson, if, if I'm remembering correctly, he actually used to be the chaplain of the U.S. Senate, mm-hmm. Presbyterian pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, but his his comment was, give all you know of yourself to all you know of Christ. Mm. Wow. And when you think about that, like that, I'm not saying it doesn't leave room for decent in order, but it says that we are to do something totally beyond what decent and and in order can accomplish. Give all you know of yourself to all you know of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if the chief end of humanity is to, 
worship God and glorify God, then, then that makes more sense. But so often everything else gets in the way. And, you know, it's hard to remember that that truly is our, our main work. You'd said our main work is the work of worship. And, but it's so easy to forget that even in the life of the church, it becomes about (laughs) everything else, you know, even with the best possible intentions, the number of mission trips we take, the number of people we serve, the number of, of, um, of good causes we help. And I, and I do think God gets glory in all those things, but when they're not grounded in worship, then, you know, I can't help but think of, you know, the, the idea that without love, without worship, without, Mm -hmm. without grounding in Christ, that these things are like clanging symbols that we're no different than the world around us. That is, you know, the, the other organizations that, that do good, um, that, that it's worship that should inspire everything else. I think of where Jesus says, you know, there will be those that come to me on that day uh, and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and, and cast out demons and so on and so forth. And he says, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this actually helps highlight, well, maybe part of that is because the, the it, it was more transactional. Look at what all I did for you so that I can come in mm-hmm. instead of I I gave you the worship and the glory and yeah. everything in, in everything. And as a result, I went and did these things yeah. because in, of your holiness. Instead of like, I'm unworthy and yet you invite me in, you know, that kind yeah. of yeah. perspective. I mean, cause that's, that's a lot of what I read here in Isaiah. You know, I'm unclean. I am not worthy. My lips are unclean. And yet you've graced me with your presence even just of the hem of your robe which is beyond anything i could have ever imagined yeah well and and he he comments um um i'm gonna um there was a thought there real quick about <laughs> about the fact that oh um that that isaiah comments that he lives among it's not just that he himself is unclean but mm-hmm. he is made unclean by the fact that he lives amongst a people of unclean lips who are supposed to be by the way the people of god yeah the the people who worship and glorify god so not only is it his but it's 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 larger than him in all suddenly the whole thing has been laid bare Mm -hmm. before isaiah's eyes and he realizes like um like uh paul says just how far short he has fallen and and the people have fallen yeah and but but even in this passage, you know, thousands of years before Jesus, we see in the presence of God, you, your guilt is taken away, your sins are atoned for. And so to think about a God who the, the hem fills the whole temple with glory that, that we can't even bear also condescends to forgive us. I, again, I mean, it, it's, it's breathtaking when you really think about it and and when we can hold when we can hold that kind of reverence for a god who created everything but loves us individually that that shapes our worship and it should inspire our hearts to to be present to god in an attitude of worship um and i think 
you know, hopefully that's what we, we long for that, that yeah. kind of connection, because that's what gives us the strength to then go out and, and do the things we've been called to do. I think when we, when we get a good understanding of the holiness of God, it becomes much easier. Cause I, I know I said the, the application was that to, to make God larger mm-hmm. to make ourselves smaller. But I think it happens really quite naturally when we consider the, the majesty, majesty, the transcendence and the, and the, 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 the total otherness of God. When we start to get a glimpse of that, it's very easy to let secondary issues fall into the background. You had mm-hmm. mentioned that you have been in spaces where even songs that you might not prefer or, somehow become all the more worshipful in the presence mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit and in the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. In different language, hearing, even hearing someone pray in a different language or sing in a different language can, can be beautiful when you, when you hold it in perspective of the hugeness of God that, that our narrow Western images of God and church are are so much broader than what we often consider which and again that's that's why it's important to be in community and not just in community in the local church but in the in the global church as well to to remember that God is bigger than what we experience on a on day-to-day life God is bigger than our challenges um, God is doing things that that blow our minds all around the world and to me i mean to me remembering that exposing myself to those kinds of things remind me that that god is bigger than anything i'm experiencing i'm facing i'm frustrated by i'm questioning and 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 you're right to me it help it it helps me to let some of those things go and and even if it's just to rest in the unknowingness of God's holiness uh, that, that I can't understand that I can't make sense of things, but I can be comfortable because of, because of the grace that's been shown to us in Christ, because of this promise that, um, that we are made ultimately made clean and that nothing I can do will undo that. Um, it's again, like you said, it's hard to put words to that, that comfort that can come even in the utter holiness of God, where we do not belong and are unworthy. I I think too, as, as leaders in the church, I experienced that a lot. Like, I think, you know, why, who thought I could be in charge of things? Um, (laughs) you know, and then, but, but there are moments when I see God using the church, using my ministry, using my words that, that I think, okay, all right, maybe God does know more than me, <laughs> you know, which I, I, is hard, a hard, uh, confession to make. God I knows more it. than me, but I used to joke that, that, that the fact that I was ordained was testimony to the sad state of the Presbyterian church <laughs> USA, really. Yeah. Um, but you, you bring it up and it might be, I can see someone listening to this and saying, well, you know, how do we have an experience of the global church and so on? You know, I, and I'm thinking, you know, one of the ways that we can do this is to start small, go into a different faith tradition, mm-hmm. a different cultural, you know, uh, a, a worship experience where you're, you are the minority culture 
And that, you know, we are in the Pittsburgh area. You don't have to travel very far Mm-mm. to put yourself into that situation and, and see how other people worship and, and highlight the different aspects of God's holiness and, and hugeness. Yeah. And I think, I mean, certainly that can look like skin color and language and cultural background, but I, I can't help but think back several weeks ago as we talked about the way we view churches corporate and you know are we are we viewing ourselves in competition with them or or cooperation so for Mm -hmm. some for some the the hard step might be worshiping in a way that is not familiar and not comfortable even if you on the outside look like everyone else in the room and then you know and then for other people there you know that cultural step is the hard step um but but in all of this when we expose ourselves to things outside of what we know and what we are comfortable in we are reminded of the hugeness of god and the the majesty and the the broadness and um and the way the way our experience is not the sum total of of all of christendom which is hard for us to understand sometimes yeah i i think i think naturally about um anytime I've attended either an African or an African-American worship service. Mm -hmm. And, and I always walk away from that thinking, man, they just blow us away in in terms of worshiping God. Um, and, and that experience and, and it gives you a different perspective and go, Oh wow, this is something that I can, like, it opens my eyes to, you know, something other, uh, something else about God's character and nature. Yeah. Yeah, and then I know other people, other cultures have come into more reformed worship and are blown away by the 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 knowledge and the the understanding that can come through a, a yeah. well-written sermon. So it's not just a one side like we've got it wrong and everyone else has it has it right. Again, it's it's proof that we need a broader experience of of worship in our lives to really be faithful to to this idea that worship is is foundational to what we do, which is why, you know, why Spotify is important, why the internet's important, why driving 25 minutes down the road is important and, and understanding the vastly different ways that we can bring God honor and praise and worship and, you know, spoil alert for next week, be, be edified in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, that is, um, the, the glory of, of, of this. And it's, um, it is, it's just so hard to describe. And, mm-hmm. and I, I feel badly because I'm just grasping. I feel like I'm grasping it at straws or grasping at yeah. smoke to try to describe the, the holiness of God and, and how we then respond in exaltation. And, and, and it, and it really does, I mean, our systems, our language, everything breaks down. I said it before, but it's mm-hmm. just so true of when you get in the presence of, of the Almighty. Yeah, and I think, as I think about those things, in different seasons of my life, different kinds of worship have been more meaningful, more important. You know, we, we spend a lot of time, especially it feels like talking about music and and there are some times where I really just need the song to be the same eight words 
over mm-hmm. and over again. There are times when I need the words to be straight from scripture. There are times when I need the music to be loud and overpowering. And then there are times when I need it to be quiet and, and, and thoughtful. And all of those are good. And, and I think part of, part of the work of worship is, is figuring out what feeds our soul, what helps us to worship in that moment. Do we need time by ourselves? Do we need to be in the presence of others? Do we need, um, do we need a good, solid sermon that's going to challenge us and push us and ask us questions? Do we need the, the quietness of prayer to let our, our minds wander to all our concerns and to hear the answer of God? And each of these things is, is important to worship. If we, if we really attended to all of them, we would never get out of a worship service, which is not a bad thing. You which know, that, gets us back to revelation. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that all of these things I think are part of cultivating a life of prayer, a life of worship, a life lived in the presence of God that so often with our worship, we put bookends on it. I mean, we talked about, you know, is God listening if we don't start and end the prayer? Um, you know, does God stop listening at the amen? But, you know, to, to really cultivate this life of worship means that everything we do is connected to that holiness because even though we are not worthy, even though we are people of unclean lips, we have that promise that, that you've been welcomed in anyway because of the grace that, you know, for Isaiah, it was just a promise. But for us, it's a reality that we are welcomed in even unclean as we are. What I hear you saying too as well is that that what we do as the church corporate is corporate worship mm-hmm. and that worship extends the boundaries. And so there is individual worship just as, as there is one worship service with a hundred people here that comes together. There then becomes 100 worship services mm-hmm. of one person going out then from, from the gathered place. Yeah. And I think, I think that that orientation then, then makes even, even the work we do for the church worship. I often think about that in light of some of the bigger things that our church pulls off vacation Bible school, that there, there is something worshipful about leading a bunch of children to, to know and understand who they are as God's children there, you know, there's something worshipful in organizing stuff for the flea market treasures. Um, there's something worshipful in building a house for someone in a country where they can't do it themselves, but it, it has to do with more with our, the worship aspect of it has to do with our perspective and our humility and our presentation of ourselves to that task than the task itself. And that's what sets us apart from, from other people. That's, you know, that's this work of worship that we do. And, and when we talk about glorying, glorifying God, the chief end is to glorify God. It's, it's to have that orientation with, with all of those things. Which is really hard to do, by the way. So yeah. if, if you're not there yet, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, it that is a lifelong mm-hmm. process. That's part of discipleship is is learning how to worship and to glorify, uh, as Paul says, whether you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Um, as I knock over my <laughs> my water glass, um, uh, do it to the glory of God. And so all of our life becomes an exaltation of God. Um, and, and that's the way it's meant 
meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we're whether we're you know working at the school teaching kids, whether we work for the church, whether we are helping heal in the hospital system, or whether we're you know a financial professional or or scientist or or, or whatever it is that we do, that we can turn that into worship and discipleship, mm-hmm. which yeah. takes takes time and effort and and um but is vastly rewarding as well yeah yeah i think i think that's a good place to to rest and and a good challenge for us to cultivate lives of worship that that all that we do and all and as you said you know everything that comes out of our mouth every action that we make that our whole lives are in a posture of worship before the God that created us and is so holy that it blows our minds and yet also so intimately connected with us that it blows our minds that, (laughs) that, um, you know, this is what we long for that restlessness when we, that restlessness we feel when we present ourselves in worship, no matter whether we're, we're in a corporate worship service or singing or praying or doing the dishes or, building a house that 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 attitude of worship is what connects with our souls and and gives us courage and strength and go on ending with augustine mm-hmm. our, our souls are restless until they rest in you yeah oh god well that's i i think yeah that i think that is where we got to wrap up because I, I i it's it's so hard to talk about and yet it's so i feel like there's a a, a well that wants to kind of spring forth and yeah and so on but if you have found this episode helpful, uh, would you leave a rating and review? And would you share it with others? Whatever social media platform you are on these days, you have many to choose from. Use them wisely uh, and so that others can discover this more uh, more easily. We want we want people to be able to, to fall in love with the God of the universe and to be transformed um, through the grace of Jesus Christ. Uh, also, click the subscribe button, button wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you are. Uh, it, because it is the summer, and uh, even as you are listening to this, I will be out of the office, and and Pastor Dean is holding down the fort. Um, so uh, we never know when we're releasing episodes. <laughs> um, so we really appreciate it if you if you subscribe as well. But until next time, uh, I'm Pastor James, and I'm Pastor Dina, and we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday. <laughs>